I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fresh episode of Fish Bites. Eli Sussman here with you under very bizarre circumstances for sure. We cover Miami Marlins baseball at Fish Stripes. The main website for that is fishstripes.com across all your favorite social media platforms at Fish Stripes. Every episode of Fish Bites is part of the Fish Stripes podcast, so make sure you subscribe to that if you don't already. Uh, leave a review, be much appreciated as well. And uh, I went back and forth over how exactly to proceed with our coverage and with our podcast now that spring training has been suspended, now that MLB opening day has been pushed back for the first time in, in decades. And really, this particular situation is largely unprecedented as the whole world is being impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, I ultimately determined that if most of you hopefully are heeding the advice of health professionals and staying home as often as possible, trying to isolate from any high-risk individuals and uh, maybe your work plans, some of your social life for sure is being disrupted by this. You probably have more time to listen to content. And so we'll continue to make content here at Fish Stripes with a Marlins flavor to it, continue creating these podcasts for you to listen to uh, at least once a week. And this particular episode will just be me flying solo, but I'm sure the rest of my staff is going to want to get involved. We have some plans moving forward for that. The bulk of this episode will be a time capsule of sorts, trying to stow away the information that we picked up during Marlins spring training that for the team overall was very encouraging for a lot of the critical prospects as well as some of the newly acquired veterans showing some very significant indications that they'd be able to help the team win meaningful games once we actually got to the season. Uh, will any of this matter? I don't know. I really think there is a scenario where this entire 2020 season gets wiped out. The decision is, is not in the hands of baseball. It all depends on how the United States is able to combat this, this pandemic and ensure that there are people's safety when they attend these games. If it gets delayed a little bit too long, 
then you need to consider how it impacts the upcoming 2021 season and make adjustments accordingly. So uh, I'm recording this with a disclaimer that it might not matter whatsoever that what we see in spring training, uh, that the next time we see meaningful baseball will be in March of 2021, and there will be a whole other spring training preceding that. For the time being, I'll have an optimistic take on all of this. We'll make the assumption that baseball is coming back sometime this summer, and that all these players that were in Marlins spring training are potential factors during the upcoming regular season. We're going to go in alphabetical order, just pick up a handful of names that I thought we learned something new about during spring training, that our perception of these players changed to some extent based on what happens in these exhibition games. I'll I'm not going to reference any particular stats for these players. Uh, That's something that I've tried to be pretty consistent with in communicating uh, on behalf of Fist Stripes that our opinion is that individual spring training stats just do not have a correlation to what you're going to get from that player during the regular season. It shows uh, a player that may be getting lucky, maybe getting hot over a small sample size. Uh, The most important thing is simply watching the players themselves trying to look for differences in what they're doing, whether it's their mechanics, whether it's their approach, or whether it's uh, their skill set, sometimes showing off simply new skills that they weren't capable of before, but not playing the results because the results over these small sample sizes, uh, when you're going against opponents that have different motivations and not always focused on winning or performing, depending on their status in relation to their teams, there are just so many variables that make the stats themselves unimportant. They're fun to celebrate. You'll, you'll notice that if you followed Fish Stripes on Twitter and on Instagram, we put up our new victory videos after every single spring training win. Uh, those appear to be pretty popular. And uh, one of the many disappointments of this delayed regular season is not going to get to enjoy using that same format for meaningful games for the time being. Uh, we enjoyed spring training. Spring training was a lot of fun. If you were a Marlins fan, um, but we want to keep the focus on uh, how it actually affects the Marlins once they try to win games, as they try to turn the corner of this rebuild. And the 2020 regular season was going to be a very important time for that. One of our spring training standouts, uh, Jesus Aguilar, the first baseman that was claimed off waivers back in December for the Tampa Bay Rays uh, on a non-committal one-year deal. He's arbitration eligible. The Marlins, as it's well known, they have a first base prospect in the pipeline who's very impressive, Lewin Diaz. And Aguilar really profiled as a stopgap for Lewin Diaz. Um, and really, that's the most generous interpretation. Um, I know there was some skepticism as to whether he would even last the entire 2020 season. He may be a guy that the Marlins simply try to flip at the trade deadline in order to get younger talent in return coming off a really shaky 2019 season that was split between the Brewers and the Rays, um, there was even a, a scenario entering spring training that I think there was some skepticism as to whether the Marlins would actually carry him for opening day, whether they actually saw him as someone that could have a significant role on their team. Despite the team's offensive shortcomings last year, uh, when you're a first base only player, a slow footed player, and you're coming off a year where you didn't really hit for a whole lot of power, there's um there was understandably some doubts about his ability and how the Marlins saw him, and I, I think that was exacerbated a little bit when the teams weren't able to come to a pre-arbitration agreement. The Marlins went to trial or went to an arbitration case against Aguilar in February 
over a difference of $250,000, which really surprised me. It was atypical of major league teams in general to um, have that sort of conflict over what is ultimately a, a fairly modest amount of money in the scheme of Major League Baseball. So they ended up taking him all the way to arbitration and trying to hold down his salary as much as possible, and they ended up losing that case in arbitration. He reported to spring training in Jupiter, and uh, by all indications, he's going to be the primary first baseman for the Marlins if they do get to the 2020 regular season. Uh, Don Mattingly is not really playing any tricks. He uh, laid out what was his ideal number one, two, three, and four hitters on his regular lineup, and they were number one, Jonathan VR, the switch hitting uh, utility man leading off the lineup, coming off a great year, Brian Anderson in the number two spot, Corey Dickerson in the number three spot, and Aguilar was batting fourth. And that combo of VR, Anderson, Dicker, Dickerson, and Aguilar were starting almost all the same games. It was um, obvious, as obvious could be, that the Marlins had plans of keeping Aguilar for the regular season and batting him in the middle of the lineup. For what it's worth, he did put up decent numbers in spring training games. He did not hit for much power in those games. He didn't hit any home runs over the limited spring training action, and uh, he was playing consistently at first base. Not a whole lot of remarkable things to note from the games themselves, uh, but the simple usage of him and where he was going into the lineup and the fact that he was being used in games alongside of other opening day probables um, really tipped the hand that the Marlins had, that they do consider him a big part of their 2020 team, if the 2020 team ever does get into action. Even a more under-the-radar acquisition over the offseason was Brad Boxberger, who was signed really right on the verge, right on the eve of spring training in pitchers and catchers reporting. He has a long track record at the major league level, even more major league experience than Aguilar has, uh, going back to his days with the Rays and the Diamondbacks. Most recently, he played for the Royals, and he had a terrible 2019 season with the Royals. He only made it half the year on their major league roster, and he had been out of work the entire second half of the 2019 season. Then he did something interesting. He went to Driveline Baseball, the very well-regarded player development baseball training facility, and he made some wholesale changes to how he was pitching. His mechanics in order to try to increase his fastball velocity, also to his pitch grips to try to change up his secondary pitches when he didn't think he was getting a whole lot of swings and misses on his current offerings. And he threw a special bullpen session out in Arizona, which was, I think, in January, and the Marlins were one of a handful of teams that attended that to see what the new Boxberger looked like. And they signed him to a minor league deal that came with a $1 million salary if he does make the major league team. It was pretty apparent during the spring training games that he has he's a new guy, that he really has reinvented himself to the extent that we had Craig Mish, the Marlins insider, reporting that it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Marlins were going to pick up his salary and find him a spot on the roster for opening day. He pitched very well in spring training games. Again, I'm not going into the individual statistics that players put up in games, but I will note that his stuff was different than it had been in 2019 and stuff that was really different than it had been in recent memory. 
looking at Boxberger's StatCast readings from regular season games, he's been in a really steady decline in his fastball velocity dating back to about 2015. And all of a sudden, we were seeing these spring games where he repeatedly was hitting 94 miles per hour and 95 in a couple instances on the gun. He was showing new secondary pitches, changeup, and a curveball as well. And he was nearly perfect in his appearances. More importantly, he was able to throw strikes, which is something that had been an issue for him uh, most recently with Kansas City. Uh, I don't want to be too much of a victim of a small sample size. And it's possible that as good as somebody looks in spring training, that doesn't always necessarily uh, sustain itself throughout the entire long regular season. Uh, The fact that we might be looking at a shortened regular season, that could be... um, that could be a silver lining for someone like Boxberger to be able to maintain his stuff over a sample size. And I think the end game for him as a guy that would had a lot of service time and would be able to re-enter the free agent market after the 2020 season, regardless, the Marlins were probably eyeing him as a midseason candidate to flip to a contending team for more, for more young talent, someone that prior to being traded, they'd be able to use in high leverage situations and really have him prove himself. He he looked fantastic in his spring training appearances. He really did look like a different guy. And for the, a, someone that has a, a base salary of about a million dollars, that's just an outstanding bargain, as it looks like. The fact that it's non-committal, and if they do put him on the roster, that he's not going to be making a whole lot more than the league minimum for this team. So that was a really great under-the-radar pickup that is looking uh, fantastic for the team once we do get baseball back underway. A couple of internal pieces that the Marlins had who uh, didn't necessarily finish the 2019 season on a great note. That would be Lewis Brinson and right-hander Robert Duggar. Uh, Both of them about in their mid-20s entering a 2020 season where it was really hard to project them as anything more than kind of fringy players, fringy role players, despite Brinson's pedigree his struggles at the major league level during the regular season have been so well documented. You simply don't have a everyday role for someone that hits as poorly as he does. And with Duggar, he, he's someone that made the most of some fairly limited tools that he had. Uh, someone that has been very durable each of the last couple of years in the Marlins organization, but simply without much fastball velocity and uh, without a really diverse a repertoire of secondary pitches. It was hard to see him missing bats at the major league level. He um, didn't do a whole lot of that when he was called up to the Marlins in August of 2019 for the first time. He had a couple really ugly outings. And just in general, he was someone that was very easy for opponents to square up. He, he, he profiled as someone that was always going to be vulnerable to the home run ball and was someone that you could see just on the very fringe of your roster, whether it be a spot starter uh, when your rotation was very thin or more likely more just of a long reliever or a mop-up guy, just someone that uh, frankly didn't seem all that important to the future of the team. It was really encouraging to see the changes that they made over the offseason as well. Um, Not quite the same process that Boxberger went through. Uh, With Brinson, actually, he made a point of uh, trying to stay away from social media and from disclosing the specifics of his routine that he tried to go through in order to make himself a more effective hitter. Uh, With Duggar, he went to a training facility in Texas and worked out pretty relentlessly in order to get stronger 
and translate that into an increase in fastball velocity. Uh, with both these guys, you saw some tangible differences of them in spring training games. Brinson only struck out three times during all of spring training. This is a guy that, that was really plagued by those strikeout issues. I think we mentioned that on the previous podcast issue is when you looked at his past couple of years of spring training, although the bottom line production was good, he was someone that was simply swinging and missing a lot, and that carried over to the regular season where there were so many flaws in his approach and with his mechanics that he was giving away a lot of opportunities uh, to do damage in his plate appearances because he simply couldn't hit the ball. And if nothing else, it was clear in these spring training games that he was able to at least put the ball in play. For someone with his kind of tools, that's important. That's important because that's what had been holding him back primarily. Uh, We're not naive to think that he's able to address all the flaws in his game, but simply being able to do something different to make small modifications to his batting stance and holding his hands higher. What was really interesting in the second to last spring training game that the Marlins played is he had that interview with um, the Fox Sports Florida broadcast, and he made an interesting note of how his process has changed at the plate. Have you made some adjustments that you believe are going to help you transition to doing this in Miami consistently? Oh, absolutely. Um, the first part of everything uh, in hitting and in life is trusting yourself. And I'm finally in a, in a spot where I can trust myself, where I can go up there and have consistent good at-bats and get my A-swing off as much as I, can, uh, as much as I need to. Um, and uh, just having a plan. Uh, me and the hitting coach, Duncan, uh, we have uh, kind of a routine. Every time I go up, before I go and step in the on-deck circle, i got to tell them what my plan is, whether I'm sitting on a curveball or a fastball or a slider changeup. Whatever I'm looking for, i got to tell them before I go up there. And it just gives me a better idea and helps me stick to a plan before I go up there. Now- a new routine with hitting coach Eric Duncan. That shows me something. It shows me something that someone that is a former top prospect that for years and years when he was developing as a player – given reason to believe that he would be successful at the major league level. And once he's facing that adversity, he has humbled himself and been able to open himself up to the advice of others to try to harness his potential. That's an important step that you wouldn't see from a lot of other players that had his same pedigree. In the case with Duggar, he was being used primarily in the later innings of these spring training games. Again, there are some concerns about the level of competition that he was facing in those games because when you when you appear in the later innings, that means in almost all cases the starters and the main position players are out of the game at that point. So the competition that he was facing wouldn't necessarily have the ability to put the same type of quality swings on him that a regular major league player would be. Still, you just saw some differences in his pitch quality. Both the fastball and the slider, which are the two staples of Duggar's pitch mix, looked really sharp. He was able to command those pitches well and get ahead in the count very frequently. With both those guys, with Brinson and Duggar, I believe we saw enough specific changes in their game during spring training to expect improvement from them once the real games begin, particularly with Brinson, we had that report from Craig Mish indicating that the Marlins had every intention of putting him on the opening day roster, playing him very frequently in right field, and ultimately it's going to come down to what he's able to do in that limited opportunity at the major league level. The Marlins have some interesting outfield prospects knocking on the door, and we're going to get to one more of those in a moment. So the leash is going to be very short for both of them, uh, especially in Brinson's case. 
but there's reason for hope. That's all I'm saying. Some hope for both of those guys. Our exposure to right-hander Edward Cabrera during spring training was much more limited. Only a couple appearances in the Grapefruit League. He did also have some additional outings on the backfields in Jupiter. Our correspondent, Ian Smith, was on location and got some footage of that, playing intra-squad games against some of the Marlins' uh, really dangerous hitting prospects. You put it all together, and it's amazing the kind of potential that Cabrera has. His pure stuff is frankly better than anybody else that is in contention for a Marlins major league roster spot during his appearances in exhibition games we saw his velocity via stat cast topping out around 100 miles per hour and pretty consistently sitting 98 99 those were appearances in February for him in February to be already hitting triple digits in games is tantalizing and when he was pitching on the backfields as well, a lot of swing and miss against really capable hitters. Between his fastball, his changeup, and that breaking ball, he has three pitches that he's able to really dominate with. Someone that only has very limited experience at the AA level, but uh, it's no secret that several people, important decision makers within the Marlins organization, they view him as the best pitching prospect that the Marlins have and perhaps the best overall prospect that the team has. The the, the public belief, uh, and still my own personal opinion, is that Sixto Sanchez is the one guy I have the utmost faith in, uh, but I understand why it's now somewhat of a debate. Cabrera's combination of ability and physicality give him a special, special ceiling. I don't think that really sunk in for a lot of people until we finally got this look of him in Marlin Spring Training. All of a sudden, the bar is raised a little bit, and it sparks some really fun conversations about where he ranks in the Marlins organization and in Major League Baseball overall. Someone that you could really see pitching in the top of the rotation someday if everything else breaks right for him. Uh, on that same kind of note, we go to Jazz Chisholm, the dynamic shortstop that the Marlins acquired in a trade last July for Zach Gallen. Very unpopular trade, I would say, at the time, considering how Gallon had uh, acclimated very well to the major league level all of a sudden, and now rolling the dice on someone like Chisholm, who at the time was struggling with his production at the AA level. Everything that Jazz has done since the trade has given us more and more reason to be excited about his fit with the Marlins long term. It's a cliche, but he really sets the tone for the entire team when he's on the field. You could see it in his minor league games last year with Jacksonville, but it's even more apparent during spring training how um, how infectious he is and how comfortable he is with the Marlins too. What's it been like for you just getting used to a new organization, new way of doing things? I mean, it's been amazing, man. Coming over to Miami feels like home. I mean, I'm out here in spring training and I feel like I'm back in the Bahamas, like working out in the offseason. So I feel like it's amazing getting to know the new guys, getting to know the the front office and the staff and everybody here, it's amazing. It's like a family here. Entering his age 22 season, the future is still bright with him, still an opportunity to fill out his frame and hit for even more power in-game, although he did hit one of the most emphatic home runs for the Marlins during the Grapefruit League before he was optioned down to AAA. Here's a high fly ball. This is well tagged. Fowler back looking up. It is up, up and away, and a home run up into the office section of the Cardinal building beyond right field. 
And Jazz goes deep for the first time in spring training. Still has that risky profile where you could see a situation that maybe the, he just simply doesn't get on base the way you want him to, to be an everyday player. But there are other scenarios where he's, he's the face of the franchise long term. And I think at this point, it's a lot easier for everybody to understand why the Marlins made the trade that they did in order to get him. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On the more discouraging side, we have to mention outfielder Victor Victor Mesa. This was his second year in Marlins Major League Spring Training and the second straight year that he barely played in games. Uh, in 2019, the issue was a minor hamstring injury that he suffered during a game. In this case, he was really brought to the camp as an afterthought in the first place. They've just had a handful of other outfielders in the organization surpass him as a priority for, for the Marlins long term. Coming off a an awful 2019 season, uh, primarily played with the Jupiter Hammerheads, but then went on to Jacksonville in the Arizona Fall League and simply didn't show the kind of hitting ability and some of the other intangibles that you want to see from a future major leaguer. Only stuck around in major league camp for a couple weeks this time around before being reassigned. And um, I think it's just apparent from his usage in spring training games, he did not start a single Grapefruit League game for the Marlins. Just about everybody else got a chance to start on the position player side at some point. But Victor Victor did not before getting reassigned. That uh, he just seems to be a low priority for the team at this point. That despite the commitment they made to him, five point two five million dollar signing bonus, uh, the largest in recent memory for a Marlins international free agent. Uh, despite all of that, it, it comes down to realizing who he has been since that acquisition, l- less than a year and a half removed fr- since that signing. He he simply has not been who they thought they were getting two final players to touch on from spring training outfielder jesus sanchez and left-hander alex vesia both those guys look ready for the majors right now i was amazed by them with jesus it was both during the games and also on the backfields where he put on arguably the most impressive batting practice shows of anybody in marlin's camp Uh, with vesia comes down to simple results He's someone that, if you dating back to the middle of the 2019 regular season with Jupiter, with Jacksonville in the Arizona Fall League, and now in spring training, it's a scoreless inning streak that dates more than 40 consecutive innings without allowing a run in games. Saturday afternoon, hope you can join us. As the Marlins have won again their 12th win of the spring, a 3-1 win this afternoon. Runs in the second and fourth as Don Mattingly's bunch shaking hands after another spring training win. Fun. He makes it look so easy out there. It's it's not the filthiest raw stuff, but it's the combination of command 
and other attributes of his pitches. It's the high spin rate on his fastball. It's disguising the changeup and having that tunnel very well off his fastball. And it's the slider to neutralize same-handed hitters coming from the left side. Overall, just <laughs> it's it's laughable how long he's gone since allowing a run. And the uh, the ripple effect of having this delayed season is further stretching out the, the time span that he's gone since allowing a run. It's been since July of 2019. By the time things get up and running in baseball, he'll be closing in on a full calendar year of being healthy and, and yet making dozens of appearances and games and keeping that scoreless streak intact. Both guys were long shots to make the Marlins opening day roster. In fact, Jesus had already been optioned to AAA Wichita to begin the year, but I would hope to see them during the first half of this upcoming season because they're going to help the Marlins win games, plain and simple. The next steps for fist stripes are sort of up in the air. The top priority has to be making sure that our audience and my staff are safe and healthy and being responsible and doing their part to help society get through this crisis. As for new content, uh, Obviously, we're not going to speculate too much about the 2020 Marlins season until we get some clarity as to when that could approximately begin and what rule changes we might expect for the baseball season, how, how that could be different than a standard 162-game slate, assuming that the season is shortened to a certain degree. Beginning this Tuesday, you can look forward to the Marlins Games of the Decade series, looking back at the most memorable individual contests from 2010 to 2019. Uh, In looking back on that, we'll try to provide the proper context for what was going on around the Marlins entering the game, some of the key players that impacted that particular game, and uh, where those players are now. 100% of the games uh, spoiler alert, 100% of them will be Marlins wins. That's the ones that we want to be reliving as the games that the Marlins were able to actually come out of there successfully. And another big surprise that I hope you guys appreciate is we've been able to acquire the full footage of these games, full broadcasts, every single pitch of those games, all the commentary with very limited commercial interruption. Whenever possible, I'm attempting to acquire the Fox Sports Florida version of those broadcasts, the ones that in most cases were hosted by the combination of Rich Waltz and Tommy Hudden, uh, the best duo that we've had calling games in the history of Marlins TV broadcasts. Stay tuned for that, the first one coming up on Tuesday. It's going to be a game from 2018, uh, but we're going to be bouncing around everything throughout the decade, the games that meant a lot to us, and ones that are hopefully a lot of fun to relive in their entirety. Uh, Open to hearing your suggestions. We've already identified a lot of the games and acquired some of the footage to be used during the coming weeks and months to get us through this delay in the season, but uh, I'm interested in hearing some of your nominations, games from the last decade that really stuck with you that you think the rest of the Fist Stripes audience is going to really enjoy. So your suggestions are very welcome in the comments on fishstripes.com. You can find us on social media and uh, be sure to subscribe to the pod because we're going to continue to do podcasting at the same frequency, if not even more of a frequency than we had uh, entering the season in order to um, get everybody in good spirits throughout this 
these very strange times that we're living in. Stay positive. Stay safe. This is Eli Sussman. Go fish.